In this episode of the Encourage Inspire podcast, I'm joined by entrepreneur and artist uh, Greg Hoy. Uh, this was a fun episode. Uh, Greg and I talked about the current DIY space and that being the majority of the creatives today in the marketplace. And the fact that um, you know the internet has made it much easier than before, but has also made the quality of music um, not what it used to be, you know. Greg and I talk about the fact that, you know, there used to be a filtering system when it comes to the labels and how we curated music, you know, with there was labels that you knew what their sound was aesthetically and you knew what you could listen to for your preferred taste. And that's really changed now, you know, uh, Greg says that even though, you know, he doesn't think the label system should come back. Um, being able to create a way to discover music in a way that it could kind of get back in that same vein would really do just will really do the industry some good. You know, I talk about the fact that you know hit songs are not you know made; they're marketed. You know, um, Greg and I talk about the fact that he was first introduced to music at the age of five years old with Led Zeppelin, Benny Goodman, and a lot of big band music through his dad. You know, uh, music for him was all about emotion. And that he went to college and really got into production and just became inundated with learning the craft. He shares a lot about the importance of training your ears and using that to really, like I said, learn the craft of production um, and that sort. You know, Greg says... The learning curve today is much easier due to technology that um, is here today. You know, makes definitely makes the much learning curve much, much easier. And that's good for the young people coming up in today's space. You know, I talk about the fact that I love the quote that Greg says, hiring people is like putting a band together and then everyone has a role, you know. I share that the fact that a lot of artists struggle with using both sides of their brain and Greg is one of those people. He's really, really good at being able to uh, use both sides of his brain as well. You know, Greg talks about, you know, at the end of the day, everybody, when you're an artist, you're your own CEO and that the successes and failures fall on your shoulders. Greg and I in the episode really talk about the fact that he believes in quality over quantity and that, you know, when he was younger, he spent a lot of time putting out records, but not as much time focused on the craft of making records. You know, I share that we're no longer really in a label-driven industry. and They're no longer the executives that are actually developing and showcasing new talent in a small, unique space that will lead to success. You know, Greg shares that there was a time that he wanted to just pay live to get test that new material, but he says what changed for him and the mindset was, instead of coming up with new songs all the time, it was really more about how could he take the old songs that he had or the current songs that he had and turn those into ways to be able to monetize and get those to people as much as he possibly could. You know, we also talk about the work that he does through his record label 30 Peak and also the fact of the other business that he has where he helps companies hire people which led him to working for, you know, Facebook Let's and Pinterest as he helped him lead the creative teams and the
Welcome to another episode of the Encourage Inspire podcast, episode 32. And I've got a, a new friend of mine. Uh, like I said last episode, um, the episode before this, I've been fortunate enough to get connected with some really great artists through a company called B Squared Management. So we've got another guest here that comes from that 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 roster. And it's my man Greg Hoy. How you doing, man? Hey, Daryl, how are you? I'm great, man. I'm great. Thanks for being here, man, for sure. Glad to yeah. uh, getting to get to know you a little bit right before we started recording. And, I mean, it's just cool to to to, to connect with you, man. And, and after reading your bio but in preparation for this interview, you it's an excellent – you've done so many cool things and, you know, in so many cool spaces. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think you get it when, like, people ask me what I do, and I'm like, ah, uh, I think I do a lot. Like, I do a lot of the stuff, you know? It's like, I think a lot of the DIY, like, you know, we're hustlers, and, like, you know, I've probably done a little piece of everything uh, as far as being a, a musical artist. Right. Definitely. And you've done stuff in the tech space, and you've done stuff in the, you know, in that corporate space, too. That's been pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, I, I, I've always said to my friends, no one can be a starving artist because it takes a lot of money to be an artist. So you got to right. hustle, you got to work, you got to work. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. This, this, this business is expensive. And yeah. I, think people, I think people don't realize, I think when, when you first, because okay, we're, we're in an era now of the DIY. So this is yep. 20, 25 years ago, it was a record label driven industry. So yep. The goal was to get a deal. The goal was the only goal was can I get a record deal because yeah. a record deal was going to really give me the funding to, to do what I want to do. The, the, the on the flip side of that, what if that record company didn't align with your vision, you know, if A and R didn't align with your vision, you know, yep. that label wasn't going to be where you needed to be anyway. So now because yep. of the internet. The internet has made it easier to put your music out and things like that. But what it does, it, it has clutter fucked the internet up. Yep. <laughs> so everybody thinks they can just go and do records now because they had access to the internet. And so uh, while the internet's been a great thing, it's also been, you know, it's like a double-edged sword, if, if I'm making sense, you know? I totally, yeah, I totally agree. I think that, um, you know, we used to have, we'll call them curators. Yeah. You know, we had the you know, you would go to a certain record label and you'd kind of know like the type of stuff they were doing. Like I'm thinking of like, you know, Atlantic soul in the sixties or uh, like, um, uh, like, like Def Jam in the Mm -hmm. eighties. You'd go to certain labels and you'd know there would be a certain aesthetic and a type of music that if you like one artist, you'd be willing to take a chance on the other artist. And that was that, that was that was that funnel of curation and and honestly i think um i think that's what we're lacking right now is quality control and i'm not saying that 
I'm not saying that the label industry should come back because I think it was mostly bad. Uh, yeah. But I think we we need like the next shift, which is how do we get people to discover new artists uh, in a way that complements their taste? And I think uh, all the tech companies are working in that space right now. Exactly, man. Because I think that yeah, because you know we're in the era now of content creators. I don't even use yep. the term recording artist anymore because I think it's a I think it's a dead term. Yeah, I use smart. the word I use the word content creator because that's what you are. Because you got to think. In the in the in the record label days in the nineties and eighties, artists like Led Zeppelin, artists like, you know, Whitney Houston, Patti LaBelle, they were recording artists. They stayed in the studio. They made records. They didn't yep. have to worry about content. You don't even now. You don't see Gladys Knight and Patti LaBelle when they make music out putting out Instagram, you know, as part of their rollout strategy. They don't do that right. one because they're a legacy act. They don't need to. They have hits. People, yep. you know, but this generation is different. So you yep. have to have a content, like you have to have a content strategy. You're a content creator whose focus happens to be on music. And I think that's yeah. the major difference now and using yeah. social media to connect to the people. You know, everything nowadays, it's about super fans. And that's really yep. what I teach when I'm consulting clients is about super fan building and what that really yeah. means because it's it's no longer about building wide, right? We used to build wide before. With record label yeah. industry, it's about building wide. Now it's about having a small concentrated audience and just super yeah. serving them. And I think that's yeah. what, and that's what, that's helped the DIY space because now you don't have to worry about trying to compete with everybody because if you don't have that machine, you'll never be able to compete at that level. You know, as much yeah. as because it's not about at that point it's not about just pure music and talent it's about having a machine yeah. behind it yeah well i think what's interesting is i'll know artist names before i ever hear any of their music you know mm -hmm. and like i would see i'm a little older so i grew up during like fm radio you know back mm -hmm. in the 80s 80s and 90s i hear a song i wouldn't know who it was i'd have to like sing i'd have to go into the record store and like sing it to the guy and be like Hey, do you know this song? It kind of has like a lyric about a girl. Like, you know what I mean? I have to like, literally, that's how I found out who, like what the artist was. And it's like, mm -hmm. we totally flipped that. Like, I know who Billie Eilish is. I've never heard any of her songs. Yeah. You know, as an example. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's weird. It's, it's weird, true. man. It's true. Yeah. Because people connect to you because of social media, people can connect to you first before yep. they ever connect to your music. So once they do connect to your music, it's icing on the cake. This is why, yeah. you know, again, and so going back to, to what I share in the Superfan building is, you know, understanding your value proposition, your brand proposition. What is, like, what does Greg Hoy bring to the table? What makes him different? What makes him the guy you want to support? What yeah. if there's something you're bringing to the marketplace that makes yeah. you different? that people yep. want to support. And that's the difference, in my opinion. That's where it's changed. And unfortunately, now the record labels now are signing influencers, right? I was I say this all the time. Yeah, these TikTokers are great, but can they command the room? Because right. it's one thing to make content on your phone. Yep. What happens when you go on that stage? Yeah. Can you put a well, show on, it, you know? It's, it's funny you say that, Darrell, because we just came off, my band did, I think we did 18... Uh, shows in August and September. We just just got back to California, and we were all over Middle America. And um, everywhere we went, you realize 
how like wow like people would be surprised that we could play our instruments and like perform because they're so used to seeing the videos and the instagram and the and the uh the social media stuff you know that, that there's no room in there really to get that that spark of like real-time energy like you don't get that until you're sitting in a room and and for so many reasons we haven't been able to you know for the last 18 months mm -hmm. um it was it was really enlightening for all of us and we met so many great fans and so many great fans and small business bookers and 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 uh you know sound people and it was we all were kind of in the space of like oh yeah this is why we do this like at the end of the day this moment is why we all do this. So we all feel this thing at the same time in the same room. Right, man. I mean, that that's people, people, there's nothing that's going to substitute the live experience, man. Oh, nope. nope. I mean, I think we realize now you have to have some kind of digital strategy, obviously, yep. you know, but there's nothing that's going to substitute um, actually being in front of people and being well, in that and, live space. And I also want to say, I still think you need a good song. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. You do. You need yeah, a hook, you need a rhythm, you need a melody, you need something that people are going to be like, oh, yeah. You yeah, know, you, can, you do. Right. I mean, and you do. I mean, think about all the people in, like, I'm going to go back to the 80s again, like your Madonnas and your, your uh, you know, uh, Princes. Yeah. What did they have? They had the whole package. They looked great. Yeah. But the songs, the songs are what we still have to this day. Like, I right. can still put on Purple Rain. And you know, it still, still sounds fun. good, right? The time that those songs don't you look you look you listen to Purple Rain in 2021 and it doesn't feel like oh this song's a dated record. Doesn't because those you, are timeless songs and timeless, right? yeah. And they you made and they stuff, yeah. Yep. yeah. It could it could have come out today, you know. You're like holy shit. Yeah, right. You know because the the you know those people spent days on production and and. and yeah. Because in those days, you didn't have the digital, you didn't have Pro Tools. You know, everything was live band, and you had to, you had to track the the certain parts of the the band or certain, and that's just what it was. You know what I mean? So yeah. it was a different. It was a different time. You know, that was the analog days. You know. Yep. It was a different time, and and that's what makes the records sound the way they sound. You know, and like you said, yep. but at the end of the day, you gotta have a great song. You got to have a yep. great song. And, but I will say this too, you know, this generation of what a great song is at the end of the day, you know, Oh, I got, you have hits, hits are marketing. You never know what's a hit. You know, what feels yep. good. I think people yep. know, especially doesn't have hits, but hits are simply just really great marketed songs that were marketed yep. properly, but, but yep. nobody really knows. Okay. We have a bona fide hit. Cause you don't know this is art. You know, yeah. when you're making the record, you know, when you're making a record, it's a very objective push, meaning from the technical side of it, from, yep. from recording to mixing to mastering. That's, there's very, there's a very objective space when it comes to that. Yep. Where, where the subjectivity comes in is when it comes into the marketplace. Yeah. Now, who, who are you to say that this song is bad because, hey, I might like it, you might not. It's okay. Right. Doesn't, right. doesn't mean the song is bad. So I think we kind of put a lot of this pressure on, on these artists because they say, oh, well, they don't have hits. But what's yeah. a hit? You know? What's a hit? You know, it's, yeah. it, it's easy to have a hit when you have the major dollars behind it that can push it to the mass audience. 
Yeah. And when, you know what I mean? Because that's what that's what FM radio was. It, it's pushing yeah. stuff to the mass. To, you know, because back in them days, you, in the AM FM radio days, like that's the only way to push your music to the mass. Oh, it was you wanted to get on radio. Yeah. Right? The DIY artists today can't afford FM radio. It's too expensive. Yeah. Does anyone <laughs> listen to it anymore? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they do. I mean, the the morning shows, you know, the, the radio shows, I think they still do listen to it, but I think you go to radio last now. Yeah, you go to FM radio last. Like for most DIYs, digital radio to me is where you go. You know, yeah. because day yeah. one, if you sign up with Sound Exchange and you're able to get royalties, you can yeah. get money on digital radio. On digital radio. If you if yeah. you didn't write your song, because I, I'm sure you know this, Greg, but so in America, yeah. we're one of five countries. We only pay on the PA side of the copyright. So yeah. we don't pay on the SR side. So what that means is we don't pay for the person that's just singing on the record unless they wrote yeah. the song, right? Right. So that yep. means that uh, if you if you give a song to Beyonce and she's just singing the song, right? She's only she's not going to get paid off those radio spins. Yep. You know, her now her publisher will get paid. Her songwriter yep. will get paid. And this is why yep. Beyonce, no matter what song you give her, she will always write on the song because she understands that I'm going to get X amount of spins on the radio yeah. and I'm not going to mess up on that revenue stream. You know <laughs> what I mean? Change, so, she's going to change a word or two. So she yeah, she's going to make, yeah, she's going to, um, a buddy of mine, Vincent Barry II, who wrote Sandcastles on the Lemonade album. And he talks wow. about it. Like normally she doesn't even give people production. She doesn't even give people like production credit, but she gave him, but this guy's written a bunch of great songs for people. But, um, right but, yeah, she's very particular on that, man, because she understands yeah. that she's going to get a certain amount of spins on the radio. So she's not going to miss out on those revenue streams of getting paid on the, only getting paid on the, the PA side. So for, yeah. for, for a DIY artist, you know, who sign, if you're not signed up with Sign Exchange, you need to because you're, you're most of your radio play is going to come on internet streaming type radio. You know, and and let me say this too, that's not interactive, meaning that anything that you cannot control the playlist on. So this is why it's it's important to this. This goes down to your your Pandora's, your music choice, your Sirius XM, any sort of internet web broadcast. As long as they're signed up with Sound Exchange and you're signed up with Sound Sound Exchange, you know, uh, you'll get a royalty and you'll get paid. And so for some artists, Seeing a few dollars come from that is enough to keep them encouraged to keep going, you know. Yeah, so that's why we call I that, was call that yeah. mailbox money. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and trust me, to see fifty or sixty bucks come in on your statement, it doesn't seem like a whole lot of money, but it's enough to say, you know what? Some some I'm generating something from this, you know. Yeah. And it keeps you encouraged to keep going. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've been fortunate. I've had songs on uh, television and, and then, you know, on network television. And, I saw that. Yeah. One Tree Hill made. Yeah. Made. Uh, I, I have some new, I actually just got some new representation uh, coming up to represent my catalog for Netflix and some other Hulu and some other places. So the idea of getting into that world, it, you're absolutely right. Like, there, you know, we do this for the love, but, you know, it's, 
it's nice to get paid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, and when, and when you're in the sync world, man, it's a different, and it, it's a different space. You know, I'm not an expert in totally. sync, right? but it, but you, you're not in the media business anymore. You're in the film and TV, film and TV business. It's a whole yeah, different there, world. There, there's a lot of artists I know. That's the only thing they focus on. Is trying yeah. To get stuff on television. And that's, you know what? More power to them. I get it. Like that's, if it's exciting for you to hear your song on a, you know, some like drama television show, mm. that's great. Like it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't really, it doesn't toot my horn as far as why I like to do what I do. But I get it. I get it. Right. I, really I think it. a lot of times too, like for them, like they know that that's a revenue source for them to fund their artist career too. Yep. So that's why I'm gonna do it that way. But you're right. Then you have some people who are just songwriters who they who are never gonna get because nowadays it doesn't. It's not as lucrative financially to put songs on artists like it once yep. was. It used to be very yep. lucrative in the record label days to 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 get to to put a single on a major act, and you're getting yep. paid 30, 40, 50 grand, 60 grand to do that. You know, yep. it's, it's not that way anymore. So. The money really in, from songwriters is really in the film and TV, in the sync space, right? So that's why yep. a lot of them teach it. One of my mentors, uh, Michelle Vice Maslin, has been in the business for 42 years. She had over 5,000 sync placements. She, said she actually teaches a course on how to do, she teaches a course on how to do that. And, she, and she's actively still doing it. You know, she's, yeah. she's in her 60s, her late, her late 50s, early 60s. And it's still very active doing it. So it's not one of those people who are just say, oh, I, I did this for, you know, 20 years. She's still doing it. She's still placing songs. Yeah. And, so, and good so, for yeah. her. That's amazing. Yeah. Like once yeah. you get your foot in the door and you know the right people and they're oh, listening yeah. to your stuff. Yeah. yeah, she's a vet, man. She's a vet. She's very respected, yeah. man. She's one of the two. She's one of the two percent of actual female real music producers. There's not that many of them out there. So crazy. Yeah, that's yeah, great. So she, she, she's amazing, man. So cool, yeah. I want to get to your, you know, your story a little bit. So, um, you started your music. You kind of started your music at age five. And I, I, I yeah. read with the uh, hair Led Zeppelin, the Big Bang, right? Yeah, Led Zeppelin, yeah. whole lot of love. Oh yeah, and my yeah. dad. It was funny. I had this like rock side, and then my dad was into like big band and swing music. So okay. like, a Saturday at my house would be Led Zeppelin, Roberta Flack. Uh, the Beatles and Benny Goodman, you know, just okay. be all over the place. It was like, I was listening to some like crazy radio station with a bunch of different stuff on it, you know? And I think one of the things I, I, I glommed onto was, um, you know, the, the idea of the feeling of, of, of the rhythm, you know, and like, like understanding that even if I, it, no matter what it was, like I was really into that, that, that feel that was sucking me in and giving me that emotional, you know, that emotional reaction. Um, and it's funny when I talk to other people that maybe were raised in a house where maybe all they did was listen to like religious music or maybe mm -hmm. all they listened to was like, you know, country music or one type of genre. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're the ones that it takes them, you know, takes them a little longer to get into the fact that, you know, no matter what the genre is, great music is great music. And I, I'm fortunate I had that from like a very young age. Awesome. man! I love that. Yeah. I love that. Totally. So then you go to so then you go to college, right? So I guess we're kind of you know again I, I went to your bio, so I'm just kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Jerome. Thank yeah, you. I cool. appreciate it. Yeah, I love homework. I love the homework. Yeah, man. So you went to Westminster College, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's when you kind of got into more of the production side of actually making your own records, right? Yeah, I yeah. bought a uh, back in the day. It was like a little four track cassette. 
Yeah. You know, a little cassette, and uh, I started recording my band and other bands. And so, let, so the time, and this is when this is in the eighties, nineties. This would have been ninety two, ninety three, early nineties. Okay, 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 okay. And, and it was it was before digital, but it was it was post like that was the time when you could record a whole record in your bedroom because they had those little eight track okay. and four track cassettes. Okay. And uh, I, I don't know, like you remember Beck? You know Beck? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like his first record came out and he had that song Loser that was a big song. And yep. like everyone was like, oh, he recorded this in somebody's bedroom on a four track cassette. So like all of a sudden everyone's like buying these four track cassettes. They're like, oh, man, I can record stuff on my own and it'll go on the radio and MTV. And so it, I, I just kind of fell for the, the craft, you know, I fell for uh, I got really into mixing and hearing different sounds put together the right way and. And, you know, I started reading everything I could get my hands on. Um, back then, it was a lot of magazines and, and books on, on, you know, how to mic a guitar, how to mic drums. Mm -hmm. um, I've got some early drum machines. I was a, I was a total nerd for drum machines, like, early <laughs> on. Because I, I was a big Public Enemy fan in high school. And, okay. um, you know, I would listen to Public Enemy records. I, just, I would, like, have my headphones on and be like, what is going on? How are they doing this? Like, right, right, right. how are they you know, how is this like sound being made? Like I, it was like, it was like a mystery. You know, this was before YouTube when you could go on. Right. And, yeah, yeah, it wasn't just as easy. Again, these kids, these kids, the did age today, you could just go, but back then you had to really do research. You didn't, wasn't easy. It wasn't as easy to find that information as it is now. And the thing I, I tell people too, when I'm talking to like, people are just getting started. I'm like, use your ears, you know, turn off, don't, like trying to learn a song on your guitar, just listening to it. Cause that's what I, you know, that's a lot of the people in my peer group had to do. You had to sit there and rewind the tape and like mm -hmm. try to learn that Led Zeppelin song. Like, is that how it sounds? Right. And in doing that, you know, you, you get to this place where you're training your ears and you're trusting yourself so that when you sit down to make a beat or, or record a band, uh, you have all this knowledge that you've accumulated, not because you were watching other people do it, but because you had to figure it out yourself. I love that. I love that yeah. man. You know, because music production, yeah. music production is hard. I tried it early on. I got Fruity yeah. Loops or something like that, and it's it's one of those things where like I love Fruity Loops. <laughs> it's so yeah. easy. It's so pretty. I love Fruity Loops. Hey, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy for me. It was definitely. <laughs> I, I tried, but again, there's people that have that 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 skill to do that. It's not an easy thing. Music production is hard. It's not easy yeah. to do because. Kanye West said one time, he said, I could see music. And I'm like, I believe it because I think, you, yeah. you know, you can see how in your head, it's the weirdest thing, but you can see in your head how it's supposed to go. And you kind of know like, yeah. how it's supposed to go in your head. And like the average person can't see that, but the way your brain works, you're able to. And I think that's yeah, pretty cool. I, I will say too, when he says, I see music, I, you know, and Pharrell says that too. I think I think a lot of it has you're seeing with how software is evolving to make music. Mm -hmm. We're starting to get a combination of visual and audio, which makes, which makes people like, you know, you can be a much, the learning curve is so much faster than it was when I was, you know, 17, 18, learning how to do everything. Right. 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 Cool. So I, I love the quote that you said, I don't know if it was quoted, but you said in your bio, you said, I love that music. You said music is in everything you do because I, you, yeah. know, you said you feel like we truly, and I, and I believe that because I feel like we need music to truly live a balanced life. You know, yeah. I really yeah. believe that. And you said that 
you know, uh, how you help companies, helping companies hire people is like yeah. putting, put a, putting a band together. I love that. You know, kind of, yeah. and it's kind of like everybody kind of plays a role. You know, yep. I really, I really do, do like that. Cause see, you're one of, and we're going to get into this a little bit later, but you're one of the, the few creatives that can use both sides of your brain. Most creatives, yeah. a lot of creatives can't, you know, or at least they don't like to, you know? <laughs> I think, you know what I think it is, Darrell? I, I look at it like muscles that you got to build. Like, yeah. I, I think, I think it's good to, it's another thing I talk about. I'm sure you probably do too. Like, it's good to look at your own, like, what am I really good at? What are my strengths? But then also, how do I, what's the counterbalance to that? What are the things that I don't maybe know how to do? Like, for years, I wasn't really good at booking shows. We were talking about that before the, mm -hmm. before the mics run. Or, or maybe I wasn't so good at being a good communicator with people that were in my band about what I wanted and stuff like that. So, like, you, you have to take a step back and say, just because I know how to write a song, how am I going to get other people to, like, collaborate or communicate or help me uh get that song to other that, people and that, that's, those are the muscles i had to, i had to develop those muscles yeah you know that's important because i think as a like okay even if you have a, a musical director right it's yeah. still your band like don't like you can't let it just be up to one person to and i was telling one of the artists i work with i said you can have it it's cool to have your md but at the end of the day you call the sense you're the boss yeah, at the end of the day, you know, it has to be what you like. Look, hey, we're, we're dressing like this because I said so. <laughs> you know, not, be, not because what the MD says, because I need you to look like this. Cool. So what I was, you know, we had a little technical difficulty. Technical difficulty, guys, we're back. But what I was saying was, even when you have an MD, musical director, and yeah. yes, their job is to put together the band and do that. But at the end of the day, if it's if you're the leader of the the band, if it's your band, meaning that you're the front man or whatever, you know, you're still the boss. You're the boss. Hey, I you guys need to look like this. You, I need to aesthetically look like this or do this or do that. Like you can't leave that just up to your up to the MD to make sure. Like I need you guys to come dress this way. This, this is, you know, and if you're not, if you're not doing that, then there's a problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. You know, you read these, if you read these stories about people like James Brown and, uh, and Prince and uh, like all these great, amazing, I would say iconic band leaders, they mm. were ruthless. They were ruthless about their image. They were yeah. ruthless about the people they were paying to be in their bands and to yeah. be around them because you have to be, that's just, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can still be nice. I think you can still be a nice person. Um, but you have to remember at the end of the day, it's you that's out there and it's your music and it's your brand. Yeah, yeah, you have to, man. You have to be able to tell these guys. And, you know, especially if they're being paid to be there. Like, no, I need you. Okay, we need you to look like this. And if you don't look like this, when you show up, you're not getting paid. You know, because <laughs> you didn't come. It's like anything else. If, you're, if, the, if your job requires you to dress a certain way, and you can tell you to go home, you know that you're not gonna get paid. You know, you know that, hey, if the dress code is this, you know, and you show up looking like this, yep. that, that's a problem, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yep. So, so yeah, I, I, I totally get it, man. Um, do, you know the, do you know that, before we move on, do you know the okay. James Brown thing where he would turn around and go like this, like with his hands, he'd like go. No, tell me so, about it. Okay. so. 
when James Brown, if someone fucked up in it, can I swear? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, you good. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> if someone fucked up in the band, he would do this dance where he'd turn around, he'd look at like Clyde Stubberfeld or the bass player, and he'd go like bam, bam, like with his, he'd, he'd like push his palms out at them. But every time he did it, that was a $5 fine off their paycheck <laughs> for that gig. Oh, wow. No, that, see, that's how, that's yeah. how ruthless he was. Yeah. It looked like a dance move, but it was you just got your, you just got your pay doc for screwing that note. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's and I think you have to be, I think you have to be that way because okay, you look you look at like Bruno Mars and his band. Those guys yeah. are in sync with everything that they do. So oh, don't, yeah. don't get don't think that that stuff is not talked about. It's like, hey, look, this is how we're gonna look. This is what we're gonna do. And if you don't come looking that way, I don't care how good you play. Yep. Like like. Yep. Because at the end of the day, whoever's the front man, great, you're the front man of your band, you know, it's still your image, you know, it's still, yep. it's still your image and they have to, you know, they have to be able to look a certain way because that's just part of it. You know what I mean? Yep. So I, t- I totally get, I totally get it. Totally get it, man. I had, I have, so I have a bass player, Vicky, who uh, I've toured with a couple times and, uh, there's been multiple nights we were on a tele we were on a television show out in Philadelphia on our 2019 tour, and um, for some reason it was like an early morning you know like a morning show, and uh, I wasn't awake and we had a song to do, and she sat down and she's like no no like she was literally she knew my song, and and you know I'm paying her to be in my band she knew my song better than I did and she was like let's it's like talking about a couple lines and stuff and I was like. That's, that's what you want. You want to hire people. I always tell, I say two things. I want people better than me that are working with me. Yeah. You know, I want them, if, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm paying somebody to do a job, I want them to be able to do it better than I can. Yeah. And two, and two, especially for my band, they got to be better looking than I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's true, man. It, 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 you know, all those things matter, you know, yeah. You, yeah. I, you know, you can't just, you know, Lee, okay, let the MD handle it. I'm just, no, like, yeah, the MD's great and they're there and they're going to do their job. But at the end of the day, you have the final say so. Like, if something doesn't look right, you know, yeah. it ain't the MD's fault. It's going to be, okay, if you're the head man, like, why did you not, why did you let, let this happen? You know what I mean? So yep. why did, you know, because, you know, so. <laughs> at the end of the day, you're your own CEO. So all yeah. successes and failures rest on your shoulders. Yeah, it does, and it, it, it's and, uh, so, and I think that's another thing too that artists have to get better. And I realize too, there's things as a manager that I can get better at too. You know, because you know, managing isn't easy. There's not a lot of money in it, especially you know, indie yep. artists. You know, I've always said management is like family. It's the only way it works. Yeah, I don't think yeah. You can just I don't think you can just at least in the independent world. I don't think you could just hire somebody just based off somebody's resume. Because nope. you're not making unless I mean yes, can Trey Songs do that? Can Drake do that? Yes, they can because they're household names. Sure. For sure. somebody who's not a household name, just going to get somebody with a resume, I don't think does an artist justice because nope. they don't care about you, the person. You know, right? I always say there's this, there's a difference between you being my client and you being my artist, right? Yep. So if you are yep. my client, I'm doing consultant work for you, whatever else I'm doing, that's client work. If if you're my artist and I'm managing you, we're like family. It's a whole, it's a different dynamic. We have a different relationship. Yep. So yep. 
I don't, I'm not out here just managing a bunch of acts because, see, I right. used to want to do that back then. Oh, I'm going to be an artist manager. When I decided I wanted to be an artist. And when I decided I wanted to be in the entertainment business, I knew I wanted to be on the business side. So I thought that right. you know, I'm going to be an artist manager. And then I realized at first I was, I'm going to manage all these acts. And I had to realize, one thing I realized was I've got to build my own brand. Even though I like to, even though I like to manage artists, I still have to have my own brand. Second of all, yep. that yep. also realized that you don't want to manage everybody because really one person managing one person could take up so much of your time. Yeah. So you start managing two, three, four, five people, unless you're an agency, you know, unless you have right. the, the bandwidth to handle that, which most, most small managers just don't have the bandwidth to handle that, to handle that, you know, right. so if you want you get past two or three people, that's just, to me, that's just, it's just too much work for one person. Well, I think, I think, you know, and this also goes back to music in general. I, I'm a fan of quality over quantity, you know, like I think I spent years putting out almost too many records when I was young, you know, mm -hmm. I was doing records and I was just trying to get the records out so I could go on tour and, mm -hmm. and I didn't spend maybe as much time as I should have on, on just the, the, the quality of the craft. And I think the, the more you can keep it, like you're, you're talking about, the more you can keep it small, uh, you're just going to have more time to focus on the, the things that are important versus spreading yourself out too thin. Exactly. You know, and, and, and you know, I, I don't fault. You know, it's funny how you said that because I was going to be on my next thing about, you know, you released over 30 albums under several different <laughs> names, right? And it's like, yeah, that's yeah. a lot of records. And, yeah. but, you know, but again, you, you, you're just trying to, at that time, and remember too, at that time, it wasn't necessarily about being a DIY, setting up a company, you know, yep. it, it's it's different now because you know yep. at the time where all you wanted to do was play, 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 play. Hundred percent. Because 100%. you were hope you were hoping that that A and R from that label we were talking about before we got on 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 yeah. on, on, on not camera but started recording the, the what the difference is now versus what it used to be, you know, yep. when it was a record label driven industry. I mean, Clive Davis found Whitney Houston. He went to the club and, and, and put on showcases for her himself yeah. as the head of the label. Like that doesn't yeah. happen now. Like you're not gonna right. see a head of a, uh, the head person of the label out there doing showcases and you know and doing the small shows to build an artist's career. You're just not gonna see that. You know yep. so it's just a and, different time. And, yeah. and that's yeah a hundred percent of what you're saying like that in that moment, I only just, I just want to go play live all the time. And I wanted to have new material to pr present. And what's mm -hmm. actually happened in the last few years, especially with the pandemic and the lockdown is let's take the time to say, okay, here's a song. Let's, let's take this one song. How much can we uh, exhaust uh, getting this song to as many ears and eyes as possible? Mm -hmm. And that was, I mean, that was a big drill. That was a big shift for me during pandemic. I think a lot of people, uh, you know, hopefully had their own like kind of come to Jesus moment about uh, what do I want to be as an artist? What, how do I want to make myself better? And, and mine was definitely, I had to slow down a little bit because I, I was so, you know, you talk about being a content creator. I was trying to do that with songwriting all the time. Like I need new songs. I need new songs. Instead of saying, okay, of the songs I have, why don't I try to not only get them to more people, but you know, maybe monetize them a little better. And how do I do that? Right. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely, you know, the, the journey along the way, I always say, 
when it comes to music. And I think this is really in any any walk of life, but no two people's career paths are ever the same, right? right. And there's so many people who, who try to follow this cookie cutter pathway. And I always right. say, and they start to compare themselves to other people. And I yep. say, that's the worst thing they could ever do because you'll drive yourself crazy trying to do that, trying to compete yep. with other people because everybody, now you could have similar experiences, but for it to be exactly the same is, is really almost impossible, you know? Yep. Impossible for well, that to happen. And I'll say this too, and I think you're going to, like anybody I think about that I, I'll call an icon, a musical icon, mm-hmm. they probably started by maybe sounding like or looking like or, or, or copying the look of another famous artist. Like I'm already thinking of like Prince and like Little Richard mm-hmm. and like Rick James, you know? You yeah, listen to like yeah. the first, you listen to the first, you know, two or three Prince records and you can kind of cherry pick where he's, you know, oh, okay, he got this from Parliament. Oh, he got this from Rick James. He, you know, you can see where he's taking a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And when I think about all my favorite artists, they all started that way. They all started by emulating some pieces of other great artists. I think yeah, that's you have what, to. And, that, and that's a no, you have to, you have to be all inspired by somebody, man. Totally, all inspired totally. by somebody. So yeah, so to sit here and think, it's like sports. You don't think that, yeah. you know, like basketball, you know what I mean? You watch enough games, Kobe wanted to be like Michael. You know what I mean? Yep. I mean, hands down, you could see everything he did was about emulating Michael, right? Yep. And everything yep. Kobe did, you know, he would yep. try to be better than Michael. He, he, came, he came close, but, but, but you know, but, but, he, but he, he tried to intake... They tell stories about Mike would tell story, or even Kobe before Pastor would tell story about how he would call Michael like two, three o'clock in the morning, randomly just to ask <laughs> questions to him, like, who is it? Like I'm when he first got into the, who got into the league, and like why is this kid calling me at like three in the morning? You know what I mean? But he just was so inquisitive and wanted to know, and that's really what makes him. The people that become great, they become great for a reason. Like you know, what I mean, and, yep. and, yeah, it's just. And they leave, they leave there, as they say, success leaves clues, right? And yeah. And, yeah. And I, and I think the beautiful thing about the music business today, though, is that because you can build your own community, right? Because you can, it gives people a chance who never probably would have had a chance in the old space because yep. if you didn't have that, like we were saying before, you know, if you didn't have the AR who was willing to champion you to lose their job, yep. I would always hear people say, if that AR was willing to lose their job over you, yep. and you know, I don't know if you were that great because if they were to lose a job over you, then like, what's the point? You know what I mean? And, right. And, and and so they had so now because you have the internet, the DIY space, you yep. now can create your own community despite of what the record labels think. Because what happens with a lot of artists is I find them chasing the industry. Right. Yeah. When you chase yeah. the industry, what you're essentially doing is saying, based off what you think is great, tell me if I belong. Right. right. And I've always said, chop chasing that because that's based off somebody else's opinion who may or may not yep. be right. You know. So yep. now you're taking somebody else's opinion who may, because sometimes they just might not get you, especially if you're not mainstream. Because to me, yep. major record labels are designed to market to mainstream. Right? Yeah. 
What if you don't do something that's mainstream? Of course, right. they're not going to know what they're not going to do with it because it's not yeah. what they're used to working with. Well, I, I'll say too, and along those lines, the thing that I do like about now is even if someone puts out a song, um, the song just is what it is. I, I like knowing the story. You know, I like knowing people's stories. I like knowing the struggle or the process. I, maybe not everyone's like that. I'm sure you're like that because we both are in the same industry. But there's something about social media now that gives you, and this is, the, this is like the back end of what we were talking about at the beginning of the conversation. You get the insight about the struggle that it took to get to this point in that yeah. artist's career. And there's, yeah. something, there's something really exciting about knowing that and being a part of that. Absolutely. That's the difference because that's yep. where the, that's where the connection is made. You know, yeah. uh, before people just cared about the finished product. Yep. Now people want to see the grind. They want to, they want to, they want to get connected to you. They want to see because they can yep. relate to that. Okay. They, yep. they can relate to see you're in the gym losing weight or whatever it is you got to do. And you, yep. and you showing them your journey about that. You know, that's why, you know, you, you know, you having somebody follow you around or so to, to, to document that because people can connect to that because what that's something a lot of people struggle with is weight. So yep. they can connect to that. So when they can connect to that, then they're automatically going to connect to your music. If they connect to you, they're going to connect to your music. And I try to tell people yep. that all the time, you know? Yep. So, yep. so I totally agree with that, man, for sure. My mom, my mom always had a phrase. She said, everyone's problems are the biggest problems to them. Yes. And I always, I always, I always think of that because, you know, I, I, I try to have empathy for, you know, everybody and, and especially artists when they're creating, but you always got to remember, you can look at someone's life and you don't, you don't know what's going on. You know, you don't know what's going on under the surface. So having some, some amount of glimpse of that, you know, through social media or content creation, uh, I think it helps us generate that empathy because that's, I think that's really important for all of us. Yeah, man. You because I think with social media too, we gotta remember, right? It's all curated content, so they're only <laughs> yeah. showing you the things they want you to, the stuff that looks good. Right. Nobody right. wants, nobody posts their their shortcomings. And that's why I try to tell people: post the stuff that might not always be so. Good. Let people see that yeah. because they connect to that even more. Because oh wow, they struck with this too. That yep. makes it makes you look at look look more human. A lot of times we're only seeing, you know. The stuff, yep. oh, the stuff, oh, they must have a great life. Not sure they have a bad life, but every day is just going to be, peach, you know, peaches and cream, you know? Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, it's all about aspiration, but it's also inspiration. You want to make sure people are inspired, not just aspiring. And the yeah. way to do that is by showing, showing the ugly. You got to show the ugly sometimes. No, you do. People got to, because again, people connect to that because, you know, it is part of it. You know, I think, I think. Yeah. You know, when people can see that you're grind, because to me, there's nothing sexy about the music business. Yeah. None, none of this, none of, I mean, yeah, it's cool to get on stage and dress up and look good and all that, but this is, yeah. uh, this is nothing but work, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's well, you know, it's kind yeah. of, I, I make a lot of food analogies because I love to cook. And um, okay. so uh, I, I got some really good steaks yesterday and, uh, and I got some strawberries. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, you know, I have this beautiful ribeye and I have this little basket of strawberries. Okay. And think about all, all the work that went in to me getting that beautiful steak and that basket of strawberries, you know, yeah, like, yeah. like all, all the people that were out, 
like in a, some hot field somewhere picking those strawberries or yeah. like, like they had to raise that, that cow and then someone had to slaughter it. Someone had to prepare it, cure it, cook, you know, cut yeah. it. And like, all I see is the steak, you know? And that's, yeah. I think a lot of what the music, like what we're talking about is like, it's good to see the amount of work it takes to get to that music video, the amount of work it takes to get to that drum beat, whatever it is. Like mm-hmm. people have to understand that like, it's, it's a challenge. It's not just, you don't just snap your fingers and end up on MTV or whatever, whatever yeah. is MTV these days. I don't even right. know anymore. Man. Where, where yeah. are we? I, I guess YouTube or something. I don't YouTube, know. But, yes. you know? MTV stop playing, you know, it's funny how MTV is music television, but right. they don't even play music. I know. <laughs> they don't play any. Play videos uh, at all anymore? No, I, I don't have no, they don't. No, they don't. You know, they see these kids today. Side note, like they don't like. I'm, <laughs> still, so I'm still five. You're, you're older than me, you know. But yeah. Um. Yeah. But I. But I'm old enough. I'm old enough to remember where you would. You could. You could watch music videos on MTV yeah. at like six in the morning. Like they would do. Yeah. Like even even right as that. Re, even right as the reality. This is a little digression. Even right as the reality show thing kind of came to fruition. For yeah. they would still play music videos. Yeah. Every party, yeah, every party I went to, the MTV was on in the background on a television, and yeah. people would dance to it. it. It was like a DJ almost, you know. Yeah. It was yeah. that's how powerful it was at one time. Yeah, I and mean, yeah, and they yeah. would play and they would play videos, and, and because again, that was the way you get your stuff seen, right? Yeah. Now with yeah. YouTube, now with YouTube and, and social media. You know, uh, that's that's where it's changed. You know, it's you know, so so you're not you're not going to MTV to to bring your videos to the masses. You're gonna throw it on YouTube yeah. and run ads. You know, whatever it is you're gonna yeah. you know. So it, it the, the digital the digital marketing aspect of it is is changed, man. And it's and you know that's a whole other rabbit hole. We don't even have time to go down, but. <laughs> That's for our next. I'll, I'll have you on my podcast, and we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Because they, you know, they could, they could be, you know, this we'll be on here for, you know, two, 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 three, four hours. Talk about yeah, all of that we can talk about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. So I want to end. I want to end just by trying to talk about some of the stuff you kind of do when you're not in artist mode. And I see you have your record label. Is it Thirty Peak? Yeah, Thirty Peak. I I try to, uh, you know, I try to help my friends out that are putting out records. Um, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you have this wealth of knowledge and you don't just want to use it for yourself. Um, I'm, I'm always doing some form of like helping somebody mix a record. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do a little bit of mastering here and there. Sometimes I'm actually playing on other people's records. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with the record label, it's a lot of um, friends of mine who maybe have, have, you know, they've dabbled, like they put out like a record or two records and mm-hmm. they have no place else to put it they don't understand anything about getting stuff on, you know, Spotify or, 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 uh, you know, Bandcamp or all the, all the big places. So I, I kind of use the, the idea of having a label as that for them. I'll just That's take it. There's no, money, it's no money exchange for me. It's more here's, you know, I'm going to give you my knowledge uh, yeah. and then say you're on my label. So it's, gotcha. you know, to say I have a record label is kind of funny. And the other thing about it is I have so many records that I put out that I can just every once in a while, if I'm bored, I'll just, find one of my old records and remaster it, throw it up and be like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. here's a, here's a record. So, so that's, you know, that's a lot of what I do. I, I work a lot with people in general. I do have another business where I, I help um, like small companies uh, figure out how to hire people. And that's sort of the other side of my life. And yeah, let's and talk it, about that. Let's talk about that for a second. 
So like, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I, I, so I got, um, I was a, when I lived in New York City, I was in New York City for 10, about 10 years. Okay, and, I'm from, uh, I was born in New York, We're raised, not raised, just born, born, yeah, born, born. And, born in Brooklyn, Brooklyn right? and, and, yeah. and, and raised, I mean, been to, I've been in Orlando for 28 years, so I moved, I left Brooklyn when I was seven. All oh, right my family still in Brooklyn. I think the east side, you know, my dad's still there. Uh, east, Got it. East Brooklyn, yeah. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I lived in, uh, I, I rehearsed in Williamsburg, which, and, and then East Williamsburg, which was, uh, you know, but this was back in the 2000s. And uh, I was just a hustler, man. You know, I was a bartender, I was a DJ, I was a musician. But one of the things I did, I was a graphic designer and I worked freelance. So I would like to do album covers. I worked for, um, do you remember the record clubs? Were they still around when you were young? Like where you could buy like 12 tapes or CDs for a penny? Do you remember that? I did, yeah, I remember we talking about, right? So you get a catalog. Well, I worked for a company and I would lay out the catalog with all the little album covers and the little descriptions. Mm-hmm. So I, I did that for like, you know, almost 10 years out there. And then I, I, uh, I moved into helping companies find creative people like that. The thing I was doing, I became the person that, that, that helped them find those people. Okay. And then that, you know, that led out to California and, uh, you know, I worked, I worked at Facebook really early on and, and I was, yeah. um, I was, I was that, I was that experience. Oh man. It what wild. it is now. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't talk to what it is now. I'm, I'm not a fan, but um, I got, <laughs> got, <you. laughs> I got, I, I got out. They moved me to California, and it was uh, it was only 800 people when I got out here. Uh, the oh, company, wow. and um, I I built their entire. You know, I came up with a way to uh, to hire creatives for Facebook because they, you know, they're a bunch of nerds and they don't yeah. they don't understand they didn't understand the creative uh, mindset. You know, they didn't understand yeah. the impulse of why someone would want to do something creatively. So yeah. the universe handed me a solid and, uh, you know, it, it led to a, a tremendous, uh, run. I, I worked at a company called Pinterest and then I worked for Lyft yeah. and I did, uh, I did the same job everywhere. I just helped them hire designers and, and creative people. I love Lyft. So you know, now, I love Lyft. I use Lyft off, you know, but I was a kid with my disability. I don't drive. So Lyft and Uber. Right on. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a big fan of Lyft. <laughs> yeah, Lyft, I worked directly with John and Logan, the, the founders. They were super, I mean, super honest, nice guys. Like, and and I, I, that's rare. You know, oftentimes you meet these CEOs of tech companies and they're, they're kind of like, they just want to make money. But um, those two are, are definitely the real deal. I, I still, I respect and admire them to this day. Um, so, so after all that, I just, I started my own company and I, you know, my, my, my other job, which helps pay the music bills is I go into little startups and I, I help them you know, hire diverse, uh, vibrant people, you know, for their companies. Nice. Uh, so they're not just hiring a bunch of guys that look like me. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good, man. That's good. That, that's yeah. good. Yeah. That's good that you have, that you can do that. Yeah. We get, it, it's tough, man. You know, yeah. Well, it's still a hustle, man. It's all a hustle, you know? Yeah. And I think anyone that tell that thinks that they can have this, I mean, I don't understand those people that do the same job for 20 years. Cause man, yeah. my, my, my resume looks like a looks like the map of the United States or something. I don't know. It's right. all over the place. Well, I think even nowadays, nowadays, I think it's impossible. Like, I think it's impossible. It used to be, oh, he moves around too much. He can't keep a job. He keeps unstable. But it's like, you know, we're in a gig economy now. Like, yep. You know, that's what, you know, it's just, that's just, it, that's understood. You know what I mean? You, yep. You're not going to stay at a company, unless it's your own company, unless it's your right. own company that you start. 
you're not going to yep. stay at a company for 25 years. You know, unless 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 you're like a like somebody like a Chris Berman, ESPN, or somebody. Long you don't, <laughs> long you don't do anything stupid. Right? I mean, and, and look at even look at ESPN. You know, there they now for a long time didn't have much competition, and now they do. Yeah, and now yeah. you could see how it's changing. How they've had to lay off a lot of people, and people are going to their their, their, their competitive their the. FS1 and, and yeah. all that type of deal. So, oh yeah, man, it's it's yeah, it's 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 hard. It, there's so much that goes along with doing this career in music that I think yeah. pe- people get caught up in the glitz and the glam of it, don't realize how hard it really is. <laughs> I, I agree, and I also a piece of advice I tell people is, you know, if something's not working, change it. You know, quit, move on, do something else. Like. I think a lot of people sometimes get stuck. And, and this is even if you're an artist, like if you're, if you're not like a hundred percent into the, the persona you have or, or the music you're making. I mean, look at every single great artist went through phases. I mean, mm-hmm. look at Kanye, look at uh, Pharrell, look at, uh, you know, I, I keep coming back to Prince, but I love Prince. Or no, David Bowie, true. you know, yeah. they, they, all of a sudden they're like, you know what, I, I'm going to blow this up. And then I'm going to start over. And I think the more you're willing to do that for yourself, I think you're going to be a happier person, you know, at the end of the day, right. but you're going to be successful because you're constantly going to be pushing the boundaries of what you can do. And other people recognize that. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I really, exactly, man. Cool, man. Well, look, it's, awesome, man. man, before we get out of here, um, yeah. you know, what can people find you? How can they connect to you, man? You bet. Well, um, you can go to my website, which is just thegreghoy.com. Um, but, you know, I'm the Greg Hoy on Instagram and, uh, and Twitter. And uh, honestly, I think, I think my band makes pretty great videos. So if you go to YouTube, you type in Greg Hoy. Um, we did, I did a video with Ice-T, uh, the hip-hop uh, icon, back in October. That oh, I yeah? Was one of my favorite, oh, dope. One of my favorite videos. Yeah, it got nominated for a California Video Award. It's it's you know it was during pandemic so it's a little bit there's some humor in there about the pandemic um but yeah i think the youtube space is good and and you know come see us we i'm playing as much as we possibly can uh, even given the you know how hard it is right now with like new lockdowns old lockdowns shots whatever you want to talk about yeah uh and so you know come to a show we you know i'll be i'll be back in the u.s next summer and um i'd love to i'd love to meet everyone in person and and the last thing i'll say is i love I love listening to new music. So if you have music, just send it my way and find me on the internet. And I sure, love supporting man. other people. For yeah. sure, man. I want to, I want to thank you for um, a great conversation. Um, and we're, we're now connected. So, you know, you I'm bet. definitely going to support you in any way I can. I really believe in, in helping independent creatives in any yep. way I possibly can. And, and um, it's just, it's just been a really refreshing conversation, man. So, um, yeah, guys, with that, hey man. With that being said, guys, this has been another episode of the Encourage and Inspire in the Encourage and Inspire podcast, and I'm your host, Darrell Pierre. Until next time, I'm out of here. Peace. Peace.